No, I don't want a metronome. Okay, this is what this is why we check things before we record them. Hello and welcome to episode two of Make, Do and Scheme, a podcast celebrating the joys of hobbies, side hustles and projects. I'm Kit, a graphic designer, illustrator and biscuit enthusiast. In this episode, I'm joined by my friends and colleagues Emma and Vicky, who very kindly gave up their lunch hour to chat with me about playwriting, ice skating and the benefits of having hobbies. I hope you enjoy what we had to say. Would you both like to introduce yourselves? Yes, I suppose we can. Um, I'm Vicky. Um, I like the idea of taking up lots of new hobbies. I know the one you've specifically asked me to discuss is um, ice skating, which I took up last year kind of on a whim. Hello, my name is Emma. Um, My hobbies include reading, playwriting and going to the theatre. So thank you both very, very much for agreeing to do this for me. I really do appreciate you being my guinea pigs because I have never interviewed anyone and I thought you two might take kindly to me uh, <laughs> attempting it rather than a stranger. Um, so I'm sure you are both very, very aware of the podcast because I have told you a hell of a lot about it and kept you up with my antics. Um So, of course, it is a podcast about hobbies and schemes, and I know that both of you actively encourage me in my schemes, as I hope that I do with yours. So, first of all, I'd really like to talk generally about hobbies, because I know you both have particular hobbies, not everyone does, and I think, um, but just to get going, why do you think hobbies are important? It's a very good question. Shall I start? Yes, go ahead. Um, I don't know. It's, um, I guess it's one of those questions, isn't it, that you always get asked and sort of dread getting asked in a sort of semi-formal setting. Like, oh, what are your hobbies or what do you do for fun? Because it seems so hard to pin down specific things. And I always used to dread being asked that. But actually, I think it is... People ask that question because it's a nice way of getting to know what other things you do as a person and what kind of things you're interested in. And that comes down to the real reason why I think hobbies are important that I only realised recently is because people can have so many different interests and the questions that you'd immediately ask to find out about people is, you know, what they do for work or things like that. But people have so many different interests that, you know, if you can talk about their hobbies, you can see all the different things that they want to get involved in. I had that exact conversation with someone. I think it was actually on a date. I will put that out there. I had that exact conversation. And it was the whole getting to know each other thing. And we said, why do you always ask what you do for a job? Because that's not necessarily the thing you... I mean, I feel lucky that I do enjoy my job, but it's not necessarily something you love. Why isn't the first question, what do you do for fun? I guess lots of people um, don't necessarily... It depends on what counts as a hobby, really. Lots of people I know um, don't have hobbies in the sense that I consider hobbies in that arm they do things that everybody does which is uh they go out to the pub drinking that lots of people do or they go to restaurants or they like going to this is a bit more a little bit more niche and more among stereotypically among women than men but going to cafes and having having cake and having a chat but do these count as hobbies like well restaurant eating when it's very fancy eating kind of counts as a hobby i like fine food Absolutely. That, that is a question I've been asking when I've been researching for the podcast because when I was thinking of things to discuss, I thought, oh, is reading a hobby? I mean, reading is just part of life. What would life be without reading? But I thought, is that what defines a hobby? You know, Is it something that makes your life 
better. I would feel that reading is, or particularly because reading is very significant to me because a lot of people, that's a hobby that lots of people choose not to participate in. By choosing to participate in, though it might it might be more normal, say. I mean, even from um, from my background, where people wouldn't be surprised if uh, that I am a reader, I don't know very many people who actually read regularly. And among my family, some are some are very intense. And my grandparents read intense literary works and they have a library in their houses full of books. And there are other members of my family who struggle with reading a magazine. So reading is very much... Being a reader can be very much connected up with snobbery, depend, especially depending on what you read. Yeah. And I think that comes into another thing that people are so often reluctant to call um, things that they take for granted, like reading or like socialising or going out and visiting places, hobbies, because it seems like a hobby should be some big project um, that's defined. And whilst we do love schemes and big projects, <laughs> especially you, Kit, um, I think that, yeah, it's great just to talk about the everyday things, because when you connect with people, you talk about the TV you watch, and that's a hobby, and yeah, the books you read, and the places you go, and really, it's just, it's all hobbies. Absolutely, and I think, yeah, perhaps going back to what we were saying at the start about the job interviews, it, it is something that you can feel slightly judged on, because mm. some people say they don't have a hobby, but when, well, particularly in those formal circumstances when you're being assessed on something... And again, the dating, you can get quite a clear idea of someone from their interests, can't you? You can establish what their priorities are. Yes, and I suppose some hobbies are very competitive and have, like, um, like my playwriting um, has, I, don't, I do it for pleasure, but it doesn't just have a pleasurable purpose. I want to be a playwright, I want to have my plays put on. So it becomes a more intense, intense thing, a group of desperate people wanting their hobby to turn into something much bigger as opposed to, um, say, oh, my reading, my hobby of reading is much less intense and it's just totally ingrained in my life. It's purely pleasurable. Though playwriting is great, it's uh, a bit of a dangerous hobby. Especially in our generation, I suspect there's probably a lot of overlap between people's hobbies um, and things they'd probably like to do as a career. Um, oh, and the yes. whole idea of the side hustle and, you know, the portfolio career, things like that. That is something that I won't go into for now, if that's OK, but I would really like to come back to in a later episode. And if you two can survive this experience, I would <laughs> love to have you back. So, Vicky, as you said, I've, I've asked you to be here to talk about ice skating. Emma, I've asked you to come and talk about your playwriting. So I know you've both got a number of hobbies, but these two, these two strike me as really interesting a lot of hobbies do, these do in particular, because I don't think they're your typical hobby. As we said in the intro, it's not your typical going to the pub, reading a book. They, These are the types of hobbies that require a little bit more effort on your part, a little bit more organisation. So first things first, could you both tell me um, when did you start doing your respective hobbies? Um, so I started playwriting when I was, I think I was 16, it was the summer before I went into sick form mm-hmm. and I, I'd always liked the theatre my mum always took me to the Polka Theatre in Wimbledon which is a children's theatre uh, I don't know I, I've been reading some plays definitely I've been reading Tennessee Williams I don't really know what gave me the idea to start but I looked for opportunities online mm-hmm. and then I started writing plays lots of plays that were really really awful um, I wrote a play about gang violence and teenage pregnancy which I had yeah. no life experience to use <laughs> for it at all um, <laughs> Then I wrote another play, definitely another play featured teenage pregnancy. Why there was there this obsession? I didn't know anybody who was pregnant. And I wrote a series of terrible plays and just basically carried on. A lot of um, 
playwriting organisations will have received my plays that I wrote now nearly 10 years ago that were absolutely really like awful and had no idea <laughs> of the basics but are and now yeah now I'm still writing. You're still going yes. excellent that's, that's the way you have to start though you've got to start a little bit bad to get good. Yeah you've got to be willing to yes. to fail and look at it and then just say okay I can do better but I will that's good I will do better. This is something I talked about in the past in the previous episode because my project for myself was songwriting which is something I hadn't done before and I had this fear in my head about making an absolute tit of myself <laughs> And in the end, just went with it. Just thought, it's your first time doing it, why not have a laugh? So I think, yeah, you've got to start somewhere, haven't yes. you? And you've carried on, which is fantastic. Yes, through all the uh, teenage pregnancies, <laughs> they don't write. Not, all, not yours. <laughs> not mine. Not yours. Yeah, I don't write about that anymore, and oh, that's probably, uh, the world is grateful for that. <laughs> Maybe it's because newspapers are so obsessed with, you know, teenage pregnancy rates rising and Maybe stuff. Maybe it was subconsciously... that, or I must have got it from a TV programme. I just can't think of... Um, yeah. It must have been just the fear of a teenager of getting pregnant. I think so, and it is in the EastEnders and the Hollyoaks and these type of things. So it's there in the back of your mind, I think. Yes, it's a standard, if you look across, um, you know, um, women being killed as a trope, teenage pregnancy, another key trope to cause chaos in the action. Oh, and adultery. You know, those are your, like, key plots, so you can see why I maybe went there. Oh, dear. (laughs) Thank you. Okay, Vicky. Um, So mine is relatively recent compared to yours. I only started, I think, about April last year, so I'm sort of coming up to almost a year of having done it. And I can't really pinpoint exactly why I started. Um, It sort of came around as, oh, you know, I've got a little bit more disposable income than I used to, and I could do some sort of course or something that I've always wanted to try, but never really done. And I'd done ice skating as a teenager, just, you know, going to the ice rink with my friends and sort of scooching around. Um, and thought it would be fun to do. So I thought, oh, I'll just book onto this course and see how it goes. And as it happened, there were a lot of people who had booked onto this course because it was just after the Winter Olympics had been shown on TV. So that was probably a subconscious factor (laughs) at play in me deciding to start at that exact time. A bigger uptake after seeing it on TV. It happens with a lot of sports, doesn't it? Say after the Olympics, the, the Summer Olympics, sorry, as well. They just had, um, I noticed at the ice rink when I went back for my last batch of courses that they had a lot of new starters then as well, and that was due to Dancing on Ice starting on TV. So. Oh, that, that does make sense. There's definitely an overlap. Definitely there. contributing factor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, excellent. I, I, I do remember you first telling us, I think, last year that you were going to take up ice skating, being very, very proud um, <laughs> of your scheming. But, yeah, I couldn't remember exactly why or how you got into it, but, that's yeah, it's interesting... Yeah, and it's been fun to do over a year um, because I think I often have the tendency to start things and never really see them through. So I'm quite pleased that I managed to sort of stick with it and make it a regular hobby. And obviously when I started, I was completely hopeless and could sort of skate forward. And then now I can attempt to do slightly more complicated things like going backwards and one foot and there's a turn that we're learning at the moment that I'm really, really hopeless at. But eventually, I think when I do this turn, I will feel very proud to have got to this point. You're both working on very different timescales with these hobbies. Ten years for you, Emma, and just under a year for you, Vicky. Do you, do you feel like you have seen improvement in yourself? And how, how do you measure that? Um, is it something that's important to see for you in a hobby? Yes, for the playwriting it's important because um, I wasn't getting anything accepted, though I would still write. If I knew 
If, say, like, I was banned by the government to have my work performed, <laughs> which seems unlikely, that I would still write. I, I love it. But uh, I actually, I've got a lot of work to do because um, I'm only at the stage where my short plays are being accepted. I've not yet um, written a full-length play that I'm happy with. I'm working on one right now. That is, I think, possibly my... I mean, if you look from when I was 16, it's probably my fifth or sixth full-length play. Oh. And I've um, ditched a lot of plays previously. So I'm not yet at the stage where I've written a full-length piece of work and it's gone out but yes I've definitely improved um, just in generally in my understanding of theatre through seeing a lot of theatre through writing and failing for example I'm um, noticing that my characters sound too similar it's been really that's been difficult for me writing terrible terribly plotted place that had a predetermined conclusion okay. and then heading towards the conclusion and then suddenly realizing later that I made a key playwriting error like my main character wasn't active they were passively let what happened to them happen to them and they weren't actually interesting in any way like I wrote a whole that was the main problem with my last play so I'm still making you catastrophic mistakes <laughs> that means I have to throw things out yeah. but I am like slowly learning and groping towards the truth I haven't um, I've taken a couple of playwriting courses but I didn't find any of them very useful mm-hmm. so I've never actually formally studied playwriting or paid, I've never paid for um, playwriting course, for instance, or done official things. So it's all me trying to figure it out yeah, myself, which which is slower. I think I would agree. Yeah, I have seen improvement, and it has been important to improve whilst I've been doing this. I didn't start out with any set goal of necessarily, um, I don't know, wanting to become a professional figure skater, and I still <laughs> don't have any goals like that. If I wanted to do... As with most sports, if you know if you want to be really, really good at them, you probably have to have started at a slightly earlier age. But I think it's been really refreshing to do a sport and not want to, you know, be the best or to do anything and not have an aspirational goal to be the best or to make this, you know, my thing. Um, because I've done that with so many other things that actually it's quite nice to just have a hobby that it's okay to be bad at and it's okay to, you know progress slowly and I like the fact that I'm progressing and I like the fact that it's not necessarily something that comes naturally to me so I actually have to work quite hard to progress but there's no pressure because it's just a hobby so I can just slowly learn and gradually improve and there's no pressure which I think is nice. That's lovely yeah I think that's something that's really really good for you I mean do do you think we're talking about different types of hobby it's important to have a mixture of not commitment because you obviously are committed to it but what you would like to see as an outcome at the end so something you're doing for yourself something you're doing for a career do you think you need different things just to to work you differently I think it depends on different people probably want different things I found it really useful because I think before I've only ever seen I've maybe seen hobbies as something to work Um, towards to apart from the things you know like people don't normally count as hobbies like whatever you're watching on tv or something but I think actually it's quite nice to have a mixture and it's nice to have I found it nice doing this um, in that I have a hobby that's kind of outside my comfort zone so sporty never really done anything like that before and I can challenge myself um, to try and do physical things like the horrible turn that I'm supposed to be learning um, rather than mental things which is what a lot of my other hobbies have always been about so I think it's nice to have a balance but you know everybody's different for me um, I definitely find my hobby my playwriting hobby is essential to me kind of um, it gives me like, a reason for living in a way Since mm. particularly since I got um, very very serious about it which was about two or three 
through three years ago and started um, writing in my lunch breaks at work when I was free. It gave me meaning, especially, um, you know, the tedium of work. You know, it took me away from it, um, plotting my play, creating, you know, um, in a way like inventing these lives and deciding how they were doing it. It was also interesting to what I normally like to do with plays is um, I shove an issue that I'm really struggling with in my life sometimes I don't consciously know I'm doing it but I normally realise later and, um, an issue you're experiencing personally and exactly and it would be um, I would never want to write too closely about my literal life and quite often I write out and accidentally writing about um, my life definitely I felt quite while I was writing my last play with a passive main character I felt quite passive in life and I realised later that I might have committed this playwriting error because I was reflecting my own life accidentally in the play, which was a bit freaky. <laughs> but um, yes, right now I'm really interested in the issue of um, how much you are responsible for your family, particularly financially, yeah. and how much your family... And the play's about Will, and mm. um, the um, two daughters are disinherited for their stepmother, and the question about how much parental responsibility there is um, to give money to their children and um, how much responsibility is there between siblings if one is struggling for money. This, these kind of issues and all the issues around that mm-hmm. are really interesting. To, should a daughter have to um, support her parent if um, her parent is struggling? These kind of questions, that's what my play, play explores because I'm very fascinated by that issue and because I don't know the answer. <laughs> I guess there isn't one. But it allows you to inquire and to do your research and your own thought for it and to, to process. Yes, kind of to insert my brain into that character. So at least, because I know how I feel about it, really. Not the answer, but I know how I feel. And I guess the play is somewhat an explanation of whether it's reasonable to feel the way I do and how other people might feel about family obligations and money. That is something I've gathered from, um, I think last year I was looking into these world-building communities, which tends to be fantasy worlds, um, but it's amazing because it does seem to give you, people gain a different worldview from it. It's like this, it can help people empathise, I think. People even say it about things like Dungeons and Dragons. It's fantastic for children for just problem-solving and empathising, and I think... It sounds like in this sort of creative pursuit, you're seeing something fairly similar. Yes, I think the point, in theory, the point of theatre is to see, to go to the theatre and see other perspectives and understand other people. However, um, I would argue that a lot of like um, very experienced people who go to the theatre all the time, which includes me, mm-hmm. you start to shut off yourself from certain points of view right. because you've seen it before a million times. Theatre has less of a impact on you and getting into your heart but sometimes of course you will see that incredible play that presents a really surprising perspective and you'll suddenly realize oh i understand that and i didn't understand that so yes but it's even better to be the playwright mm. You're for, for exactly for understanding yeah. yes Excellent. sounds amazing so we were just talking about um We'll come back to swing dancing. We have to come back to swing dancing later in the episode, I think. But talking about where you do these things, because I think for some people the problem is finding your finding your group, finding your community. And for you two, how did you do that? Because Emma, you haven't had formal training, and Vicky, this was a totally new thing for you. So how how did you begin to engage with your hobbies? Um, very good question. I guess I just looked online. I didn't know anywhere about where the ice rinks were in London, having not been since I moved down here. So I just looked, found a course, 
um, specifically for adults because most of them are for children and <laughs> I'm very glad I didn't accidentally sign up to one of those. Um, and it was quite nice as it worked out because it, because it is adult courses and all the adult courses are on one specific evening so everybody's there doing them together. And because I started at the same time as a big bunch of people, um, I've managed to get to know people who have continued doing it like with me so now there's a, a sense of community and that we've got a little group and we sometimes message each other about going to practice um so that has helped and that has helped me get into it but um you don't always necessarily need a group I think you just need sometimes to get started and it was that thing at first finding the place booking the course that set me off and got me started and then once you start something and you find out you enjoy it there's more momentum to carry it on so I think that was what did it for me just actually starting something that I've said I would be that I said I would like to do for a long time and then once you start it's so much easier to continue. Sometimes that can be daunting, can't it? The initial I'm going to do this thing and then there's also the what if I'm bad at this thing as well. And I think yeah that's a great it's wonderful to just get going, give it a go. Hmm. At one point the podcast was going to be called Give It a Go Girl <laughs> just for the hell of trying things, but it didn't quite make the cut. <laughs> but um but how's it work for you? Um so Playwriting is mostly solitary, um, and I, I quite like that, but the I do go to a women's writing group um, once a month, so um, we find that we just um, get different kinds of work brought to the group mm-hmm. um, because it's um, with um, the Thelmas um, run it, and we meet at Southwark Playhouse, and it's amazing. We get different kinds of work because it's um, we're only women. Obviously, the women are playing all the male roles, so it's quite interesting playing with gender. And we just bring up, bring our play there, are, and people read out our script, and then we get feedback. But um, the rule of the group is that it's only positive. It's um, as in, if you're saying something critical, you would say it in a question, "Could you consider yes. doing this?" Not. Not your your character is completely underdeveloped, and you know yeah. this kind of thing. No, nothing um extremely negative. So it's very constructive. So that is my um my main mm-hmm. social group once a month. Otherwise, playwriting is the kind of thing where when you're actually writing it, you don't really apart from having it read, your work read out. Writers groups, which I find very useful, and they've given me a lot of ideas for my play. I don't find it that useful having other people's input to that state. I just need to go off and write the damn thing. And then once I've done that, that's where the point where I want want to drive off editor friends to look at it and then I'd be sharing it with theatre companies and trying to get it on and then, you know, other humans would start getting involved because I can't make it on my own. There must be a balance between the two things, obviously, between actually doing it and but with solo activity, you are carrying it out carrying it out in a vacuum there's no yes, feedback exactly. and there is something lovely about that that you can just crack on but as you say when you want to progress it you do need to invite other people in and that can be quite frightening I think when it is it's your baby not literally definitely um there have been moments where I've I, I'm less bothered about that than most playwrights but um, I have sent out my work and um, occasionally people decide to give you feedback which is very rare normally you get no feedback and they'll absolutely tear tear your short play to shreds. Wow. And then you, you feel briefly very, very terrible about yourself. Mm-hmm. But generally, um, the writing in the vacuum is kind of necessary. There are very, I suppose there are some very big playwrights who write their play, and they know it's perfect, so they will not change a word, not that word I know, because they are just a genius. But most playwrights heavily have input. Yeah. And I, I, I'm very... Uh, 
into the idea of having other people people getting involved pointing out my mistakes because you're really blind as a playwright you don't notice all sorts of things and you only improve if somebody says hey wait you know this character is passive completely passive you can't have this passive character in your play it's not an interesting play it must have an active character you need people to i got that from a um and now the Almeida Theatre ran a workshop with Ella Hickson, the playwright, and she said she'd solve all of our problems. And that was my problem, and she she solved it for me, ditched the play. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, you really need other people's perspectives, basically. And I think that's, that's really important in most pursuits, I think. In Again, coming back to the idea of progress, if you want to move forward, it is, it's a big part of advancing with these things. I would agree as well because I think um, one thing I was impressed by about playwriting, about what you're doing, is that it's entirely self-motivating hobby in mm. that you've got the groups to go to now and again, but you're entirely motivating yourself to do it and slotting it into your time on your own. Um, whereas what I found useful about ice skating when I was taking it up is that there was a fixed time to go to, which was what helped motivate me and I'm much more rubbish when I try to go practice on my own um, because I'm rubbish at trying to find the time um, and also it is useful to have other people so when I go to my regular Wednesday night sessions I've got a coach who's telling me what to do because sometimes when I go on my own you can practice something a lot but if you're not quite getting it from an outsider you can't see what you're doing wrong so you sometimes need that other perspective to say actually this is where you're going wrong so yeah it's a similar similar thing I guess definitely and I I know I'm sorry I keep using podcasting as an example but as you can see it's a very active hobby active in its happening at the moment sense because it is like yours a self-motivated hobby and I was blathering on about it for ages as you know and in the end I had to make myself a schedule because I had an end product I wanted to produce and I needed to know how long it would take to make it and that has turned into a Gantt chart which I think I shared on the Instagram love a good Gantt chart love, bloody love a Gantt chart <laughs> as you've said many times but I think you need that, that little bit of motivation don't you um, and I was going somewhere with this but I've just got distracted by the thought of Gantt charts but yes um, that was what else I was going to say when I started on my podcasting endeavour I did some formal training at a college in London, um, only two afternoons, and we produced a very basic podcast, and we got feedback at the end of it. And I think that really helped. It, it was very positive, which was great. Everyone loves a bit of positive feedback, but it encouraged me to carry on, and it also steers you in the right direction, doesn't it? It moves you, moves you forwards. I suppose, I guess, playwriting is a dangerous hobby in that regard, because you could spend five years working on a play... And then the external input comes in and it's a part, it's a lot of big turd. And you should throw it in the nearest toilet as soon as possible. And then, well, you've spent all that effort on absolutely nothing, but yeah. except it could not be nothing. Because if you can take this well and bear the pain of it all, yeah. then you will write another better play, hopefully next time, if you can take on board the feedback. This is what I was going to ask you, because I know, Vicky, you, your courses usually last, is it? six to eight weeks or so yeah there's different slots when you do um yeah ranging between six to eight weeks normally mm -hmm. and then you try and learn one specific level in that slot and then at the end of the slot there's a test and you either pass the level or you go on and do the level again um as sometimes you really do need to <laughs> um but that's quite nice because it does give you a formalized 
um, structure to it so you know what you're learning and what you're practicing rather than just trying to generally improve which means you could could just be going all over the place and so Emma do you sometimes think that with your projects do you ever set yourself a goal and say right I want to have this thing done by this time I do um but I'm mainly working to well firstly to playwriting deadlines so short play deadlines because I write short plays because they're quickly quick to to, um, knock off and I don't want to work very long on them I don't feel like it's a good use of my time to work very long on them because they're for things called scratch nights which means that the work is rough so they don't have to be impeccably polished and then I'm always working on almost always working on a full length project at the time right now there are tons of opportunities I can't apply for because I don't have a decent full length play I would need to have edited this full length play a few times before it's really ready to be released so right now I'm having to let those deadlines go but I'm regularly meeting short play deadlines I just need to find time to write more short plays because right now my short plays are not having much success and I've had a bit of a quiet patch so yes it's deadline motivated but only if I have work ready to send sometimes I will write new work specifically for an opportunity but most of the time I'm the opportunities are not specific so I'm sending the same short plays out to multiple places hoping that somebody will say yes and I'll get a little bit of um, encouragement while I'm writing my full legs play absolutely so yeah it's all contributing and you're always building your skills and you're still working it's still engaging in it whatever you're doing yes just uh as soon as I have a full-length play and that's edited and I'm happy with it, which will be the first time in my life, then I can um, send it out to playwriting competition. I can also send it out to all the literary departments of the theatres once it's at its peak. Yeah. Peak, I mean, like, as good as it's going to get, nice. then I would send it out and then that would be the big uh, moment where I would know mm-hmm. if um, my work, is that full-length play is likely to be staged and if I'm there, in a way, I'm at a position where I would be have my place put on this kind of this is thank you very much Emma this this moves me very neatly to my next question um which is what what plans do you have for the future with this particular hobby as you say you want to write a full-length play or do you have any other hobbies you'd like you you have in the works any plans um I know Vicky you're going traveling very soon um what 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 next for you guys um well, for the ice skating, um, it's quite nice, as I said, because it's structured into little levels. So I think I am level seven at the moment. Struggling a little bit to pass level seven because of this stupid turn <laughs> that I can't do. But eventually I'd like to pass and carry on. And then it goes up to ten, I think. And then there's bronze, silver and gold. But they're very advanced levels. So I have no specific goals of, oh, I need to get to gold level by so-and-so. But I'd like to keep going up. I'd like to see how far I could get... Um, and just keep challenging myself with it. Um, so, yeah, no time-specific goals, but just to keep progressing and, you know, stick with something rather than trying to do a thousand different things. Mm. Although, on another hobby-related note, um, I am trying to try out a few other different hobbies as well. So um, I do different kind of writing to you. I'm trying to write a novel, which I've been trying to write for years and years and years and probably many more years to come. Um, and writing satire as well and I'd also like to try and take up a few more physical hobbies Um, maybe like kayaking in the summer I think would be quite nice and basically I'm open to any and all schemes (laughs) love trying something new but just need to stick with it so that's why we're at least trying to stick with the ice skating I'm just going to interject here and say Vicky is the originator of the term scheme. Not not in, as in the word itself, that's 
probably much older than Vicky by a long way, but she is the one who applied it to hobbies. So I have her to thank for much of what's going on. <laughs> that sounds great. Um, Emma, how about you besides writing your, your full-length play? Um, so I go to the theatre a lot, so I'll keep, I'll keep doing that. I need to go to some new theatres, though, because I tend to stick six of the ones nearest to me that I like. And obviously London has so many different theatres, if I can just be bothered to travel. I mean, now I've heard about Vicky's ice skating... I always wanted to ice skate, so that sounds very tempting. Can I be bothered to travel? Again, I, I sound very motivated with the playwriting of this podcast, but I definitely, with other hobbies, I wanted to take up rock climbing, and I moved near a climbing wall that's 10 minutes away from me, and I've lived in the area for a year and a half, and I'm not bothered to go to the climbing wall once. So it's a hobby, and a hobby that might remain an illusion for a while, but I would enjoy that. Um, also, I would perhaps take up swing dancing again, it's all um, uh, can I be bothered to turn up kind of situation, which is absurd considering that and the rest of other things in my life. I'm very motivated. I seem to struggle with that. It is hard with so many other things going on. Um, and we did mention swing dancing earlier. Or it, we may have. I don't know if it'll make the cut for the podcast or not. But last year, me, Vicky, and another one of our colleagues took up swing dancing for roughly three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure we did three. I think we might have just done two. <laughs> Between the three of us, I think, there was one of us there for every week. I don't think all of us made it every week. But it was great fun. And Emma would like to join us in yes, doing it. And I think we should get back to it. If for nothing else, we can get a great podcast episode. <laughs> and it's, it's near our work, so exactly. my travel problems will be reduced yeah. by this. I think I would just add to that that, yeah, people, you were saying earlier about do you think it helps to have a group of people or a community around you when taking up these things? And I think it does because everything you've been talking about doing, I now want to do. I'd quite, <laughs> like, to, I'd quite like to write a play and go climbing and... <laughs> You mentioned the ice skating, so maybe it helps just to have people around you who always want to try new things, and then you can try what they want to start, and they can try something you want to start, and just, yeah, see what sticks. Because you could, you will enjoy the hobby once you're actually there, but the effort of going there is yes. intense. Just the, oh, sometimes you feel so exhausted after work that you just can't be bothered, but yeah, yeah a group of people could kind of guilt trip you into going it'll be fun walking there because you're talking to me and not thinking oh my goodness I have to walk the whole 10 minutes to Waterloo yeah, <laughs> or the whole 10 that. minutes away from my house to go to the climbing wall like oh so whole 10 minutes I have no problem walking 10 minutes in any other context yeah. but to a hobby we seem to have a problem I think the first time we went swing dancing Jess our friend and colleague kind of coerced me into it with the promise of a trip to the pub beforehand because oh. I, I'd never danced sober before. <laughs> we were all a bit sceptical, as I recall. Well, I was yeah. very sceptical, but it was actually really good fun, which just goes to show. And you should sometimes just force yourself to do things because they can be really good when you get into it. And then keep forcing yourself to do it. <laughs> Force yourself to do everything. <laughs> no such thing as too much hobby. <laughs> yes, Vicky, thank you very much. <laughs> Um, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna start winding up. I've got two more questions for you, if you don't mind. Um, which one of you would like to volunteer first? I don't mind. Yeah. We seem to be. We're in a politeness standoff. We're in a politeness standoff. <laughs> um, I will volunteer myself to end the standoff. There you go. Emma, in thirty seconds, can you please pitch why anyone who is listening to this podcast should give playwriting a go? Ready? go ah do you want to have meaning in your life true meaning because you are a creator then you should become a playwright then you know everyone else they aren't creating but you you are creating something and it's not only it's not something that's just going to be sitting on the page it's going to actually act it out so it's just it's on the page and it's on the stage it's everything you could ever want take up playwriting 
Is that you done? That is my Excellent. Pitch. That was a beautiful 20-second pitch. Thank you very <laughs> much. You make me want to play, right? That is a hard pitch to follow. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I don't know if I can promise everyone meaning. <laughs> it doesn't have to be the full 30 seconds, but you can try and get as much meaning as you can. Are you ready, Vicky? Go. I don't know if I can promise you the meaning of life with ice skating, but I can promise you fun. <laughs> um, it's just really thrilling to, you know, get on the ice and find that you can actually make yourself move in ways that feel really amazing. You can glide fast. You can do all these things with your body that you never expected you could ever do. By the second lesson that I had, I was going skating backwards, something that I'd seen people do and looked impossible. But suddenly I was like, oh, wow, if you break it down, I can do it. So it's just fun and empowering. Thank you, Vicky. Dead on 30 seconds. And I like that you got empowering in there. <laughs> Um, that is wonderful. I've got one very last question for you because we're running out of time. Um, we were just to say we're recording this in our lunch break, and we probably do need to go back to work. Yeah. Um, so, final question: If you could have a go at absolutely any hobby or activity, no experience, no expense spared, what would it be? I've always really quite fancied getting into water sports. sports, Um, It's quite ambitious and obviously a lot of them are quite expensive and you have to be near the sea, which in London we're not exactly in prime water sport territory. Um, I've tried surfing once. I'd love to do that again. I'd love to try water skiing, um, scuba diving, all sorts of water sports, really. I really fancy myself doing those things, but whether I actually will, who knows? Yeah, I can hook you up on the scuba front, just uh, just shout. <laughs> Thank you very much. How about you, Emma? Uh, riding. I used to ride as a teenager, and I haven't um, I haven't consist- rid- consistently ridden. I don't, uh, for, I don't know, possibly 10 years, definitely that long. I've been riding twice in the last five, and I really, really miss it. But London isn't the best place, really, to go riding, so there's not enough wide open space. I used to really enjoy going out hacking. But the main point is um, I would like to... I just feel so nice to spend time with horses. Riding was so exhilarating. I really like going fast. And I'd like to see if I was still scared of jumping because I was scared of jumping around the time I gave up riding because I've had a fall. So hopefully, um, yeah, that if I had no... If I had all the money in the yeah. world, I would take my plane to the to Richmond Park because that's the nearest o- big big open space I think that does riding there might be a nearer place but you can ride horses through smaller parks but I don't know how I mean any much. size park would be good yeah. but yeah um, I would definitely take up riding again lovely they both sound like wonderful hobbies and they cut, it's funny this London paradox that there are so many things you can do in London but there are others that we are we just got no chance no chance doing it I think we should end this on a fun note um in that we should try each other's hobbies because I want to try everyone else's hobbies after this. So <laughs> yes. I'm going to try and write maybe a short play. Kit, you've really made me want to start my own podcast. <laughs> try have to do a rival podcast or get myself in as a regular co-star. <laughs> but I reckon you should both come ice skating with me as well and I'll try and teach you a I move accept. or two. I definitely, I'd love to. I would love to. I will say this now. I've only ever fallen over ice skating once. And I've only ever broken one bone. And oh, that no. is a Venn diagram of injury right there. But I would be willing to... I have ice skated since, and I'm definitely willing to give that it That does go. seem incredibly unlucky, so I'd like to wow. think we wouldn't replicate it. <laughs> My brother can go backwards on ice, and I've been jealous of that ever since we both went on the same course. Um, it was like um, a two-hour course at Guildford Spectrum, mm-hmm. and he learned how to successfully how to go backwards and I failed. I can hopefully teach you that. I would like to know that. that.
it's something to aspire to. So I think we'll wrap up there with a pact that each of us are going to have a go at each other's hobbies, which is ridiculously exciting. And I think we should have a follow-up episode on that if you guys will be happy to come back. I've got the buzz kit. I'll be, I'll be on all your podcasts. <laughs> She's a podcast addict. Yes. Um, guys, thank you so, so much for doing this. I appreciate it so much. Um, I hope you had fun and I hope you enjoyed our discussion and I hope you can... Thank you for thank having you. us. Thank you for hosting us, Kit. <laughs> Thanks again to Emma and Vicky for agreeing to be on the show this week. Hopefully they haven't been permanently put off by the experience and we'll be back for future episodes, including a follow-up of us having a go at one another's hobbies. Thank you for listening to this episode of Make, Do and Scheme. You can find us at Make, Do, Scheme Pod on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter or you can email us at makedoschemepod at gmail.com. Don't forget, you can also leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening and I'll be back soon with my latest scheme.